We are live. Hello and welcome to another episode of Founder Hacks, our podcast where we share something we've seen, something we've read and something we've learned that's inspired us or the, the entrepreneurs and founders that we work with. As always, I begin by offering a miraculous welcome to Mr. Anthony Enright. Thank you, Ben. Hi, Alex. And an equally magnificent hello to Mr. Alex Moore. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to both of you. So let's kick off, I believe, this week. Uh, Mr. Enright has seen something that we'd yes, love I've to seen hear two more things. about. You've seen two things? I've who seen can, two who things. Who that pace? <laughs> <laughs> He's on My it. Goodness. He's on it. He's on it. <laughs> so it's amazing what can happen when you get out of your office, isn't it? I, for the first time last week, had an in-person um, coaching days with, with one of my clients. Um, and since March, it has been all virtual. And actually, last week, I got on a, a, a plane. I flew to Scotland when I saw them. And uh, it was just fantastic. The energy was just phenomenal because we, we actually were able to see each other face to face, obviously socially distancing in the room, um, but, but still just brilliant to get back to face to face. And what I actually saw, um, so I worked with two separate organizations last week. And um, what I was left pondering after working with them was the title disagreement and how much disagreement do we have in our businesses? And is it a good thing or a bad thing? And to give you some context, um, with the people that I was with face to face, we were planning for next year and we were looking at certain metrics. And as we opened up and I asked a question, all of a sudden it got into debate between one of the board members and owners of the business and one of the employees. And the conversation went on for about two or three minutes and the debate got a bit heated. Um, and in the end, I thought it was phenomenal, this, this sort of discussion and the emotion, but also the depth of detail within it, where the employee was saying, no, but you're not seeing it from this perspective, and it's this, and it's this. And the director says, yeah, but look at it from my perspective. It's this and this. Phenomenal. But actually, I had to put them on the, both on the naughty step, because what, what had happened is it was just going on too long, and we needed resolution. So what I did was I sent them out of the room. And I said, you can only come back in. So we moved on to another subject area. So they were missing out on the debate of that. You can only come back in once you've agreed. And they came back in about three or four minutes later. And they said, guys, sorry to interrupt. Here's what we've agreed. And they went with what the employee had gone for. And I just thought it was a fantastic example of where, as founders of businesses, where when we bring employees in, and when we bring them into the fold on talking strategy, how powerful that can be, not just for the debate and the decisions, but also um, how much alignment we get by including everybody within that conversation. And then the other side, I've got another organization that I work with, and um, it's culturally very different. And we have um, the leader, the managing director of the business who says, this is what I'd like. This is how I'd like to do it. And no debate whatsoever. But actually, the team work incredibly well at the execution of that plan you know they execute really well even though it's from they don't have a discussion about what the outcome is they just go about effectively executing that out executing rather that outcome and so i see benefits to both 
Um, I know which one, and I think it's obvious which one I prefer, but I just wondered on your experiences, you know, what, what do you see works better and, and, and what are your learnings from it? So, Alex? Well, I'll just start by saying I'm, I'm going to have to agree with you because I don't want you to send me out of the room, Anthony, because um, <laughs> I'd like to finish this episode. Um, I love how you did that, by the way. Yeah, no, I, I love this. I mean, I think, you know, you've got this very structured way of doing business um, and, and, you know, business management techniques have evolved and, you know, how you ran a business, how you ran a successful business 20 years ago, 50 years ago is very different to how you need to run a business now. And it's also affected by the culture of the place in which you live as well. But, you know, this whole idea of the hippo, the highest paid person's opinion and yes, boss, whatever you want, boss, you know, it's so outdated. And, uh, you know, the, the, the people are so much more effective when they work as a team rather than an individual. So I couldn't, although I like to disagree with you sometimes for the sake of it, I can't this time. Uh, I just think that's, that's just, just brilliant. And then sending people out of a room is a very interesting way. Someone's locked, locked horns to go and resolve something. I, I haven't actually tried that technique, but I think that's a really good one as well. So that's, there's two things I picked up on that. But yeah, Ben, what, what would you like to add? I would add, uh, you know, I, I, of course, um, the power of engaging your team on strategy and building that alignment, I think, is, is something that every business aspires to. I also wonder if it's, it's a function of the stage that your business is at. I do think there are times, there are stages, there are phases where some things are best auteured. Some things are best without a committee and sometimes one person's vision and everybody working to realize that vision um, can be the right decision. So mm. for me, it's almost a choiceful point. It's something we think about um, based on what it is we're trying to achieve, what stage the business is at and where we are. Um, I think sometimes it can be a sort of default position that, that we try to engage everyone in everything. And there's a lovely phrase that used to get knocked around in a previous business I worked in was, um, be careful we don't become marbles on a tray which you can imagine is so that the tray tips a bit and all the marbles go to one side and then all the marbles go to the other side where everybody just rolls around. So I think that can sometimes be a risk if you over like What I think is very cool about Anthony's story, though, of course, is, yeah, I love, in fact, there's a sort of balance there, isn't there? Because at one level, we were engaging everybody, but on this decision, we trusted those two to make that decision. And kind of irrelevant that one was a director and one was an employee. We're trusting these two people who are part of our team to own that decision and they're the right ones to make it. So I'm equally curious that that organization sounds like it's got its culture pretty down pat because they're like, we have a space in which when it's right for these two people to make the decision, we're all gonna trust them to do so. I think that's very cool as well. Um, so them's me thoughts, Mr. Yeah, I think, I think what's interesting, Ben, I think you, you hit on, on something there is that it, and, and Alex, you mentioned it too, is that it, it, it's very cultural dependent, right? It's very, dependent on the kind of values you have within your business. And the example of this was where the, the two were sent out and then they came back in. I'm sure I could hear some somebody humming the Rocky theme tune in the background <laughs> as they walked back in. Um, because it would, it, in actual fair, fairness to them, it was done with a massive smile on their face. And, um, you know, so, so it was quite a detailed and heavy debate, but it was all done, um, no aggression whatsoever, and, mm. um, and actually done in a really, really great way. Um, and, and now it's about what does that look like, right? So how does that plan evolve? And 
and I'm guessing and my thought process is that now that person that that actually won the battle they've now got to go and deliver it right mm. they've they fought they've won and almost sometimes you reflect don't you that oh that was the easy bit now I've actually got to go and deliver it but I'll bet you I'll bet you money that they are going to be so much more committed to delivering that outcome now uh, yeah. having put their neck on the line for it and that's cool yeah. in itself right yeah brilliant so I think our, our sort of takeaways there are you know it's not always the, the highest paid person in the room um, and and we do get great alignment by by allowing our teams to collaborate but also you know let's be careful not to be marbles on a tray you know and and sometimes horses for courses we do need the leader to just step up and say this is what i need we need this done these are the reasons can you go deliver this for me mm. so uh, fascinating fascinating on that note uh, alex i believe we're moving to you now for our red this week yeah um we've called this one the urban collective it's funny enough it was an article that you and i read anthony independently it was shared to me by a uh, our ardent listener, uh, John Alexander, my lovely brother-in-law. Uh, it's a Times article about um, a bunch of people who've bonded together in is it Nor- Norwich, um, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. And they were a bit, a bit sick of uh, Deliveroo. Um, and a bunch, of, uh, a bunch of riders got together uh, and worked with the restaurant owners there and said, wait a minute, we, we're getting absolutely gouged here. By, uh, with the rates and we don't like this why don't we set up our own collective our own little uh, hub of delivery drivers and restaurants and do our own thing and you know forget these massive uh, massive commissions and uh, we ended up getting printed in, in, in the times and you know seems to be seems to have kicked off quite well and I guess the, 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 the thing that I took out of the article and I felt I could really empathize with is that these the independent restaurants were having to pay really quite big commissions to these delivery guys, whereas the bigger chains, multiple sites, they spent a lot. It's all to do with volume, so they give them big discounts. Um, and you know, that's it's it means that you know when you factor in VAT, some of these independents are paying thirty somewhere to between thirty five and forty percent of their takings are going to the delivery companies. Very hard to make money at the end of that. Uh, whereas some of the bigger operators are, you know, they're closer to 20%. So, yeah, um, mm. it's good. They, you know, they, they've got together and done something right on. Will, will they still be around in six months? I don't know, but I thought it was, it was an interesting article. Guys, I'm going to throw this one back out. You thoughts on this? Ben, Ben's looking like, uh, you know, please ask <laughs> no, me, ask me, ask me. I want to I- speak, I want to speak. <laughs> always, always. I haven't read the article. But um, uh, yeah, I, I, I will definitely do so. But it's interesting. I had a sort of a, a sideways thought on it, really, which um, I think is something that's always a risk for a tech company because yeah, the capability that get uh, the, the deliverer and the others introduced into into that market at the time it was introduced was um, quite hard to achieve capability, and I think there is a risk now that. That actually some of that capability is is no longer that hard to achieve. You know that technology has gone from being cutting edge to being pretty bog standard, and you can glue together um, sort of off the shelf components to now come pretty close to what it is that that originally made that technology so so unique. So I, I'd sort of broaden it a little. That, that of course it's it's it, 
you know, it, it's fascinating and a wonderful story of entrepreneurship as we love to celebrate the founders doing something radical, uh, seeing that opportunity and seizing it, starting to, to do something different because they see the gap. But I think it's also another one of those cautionary tales that it, you know, we have to stay ahead of that curve, that relentless um, curve of, of, of change and technology. We go back to blockbuster video, we go back to all, all those other things. And, and you sort of wonder if, um, you know, there's a big challenge now for some of those people in that space because, yeah, the capability just ain't that special anymore. Um, and 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 can how will they stay ahead of the curve? So I, I'm I wonder what 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 um, the bigger delivery company's response is going to be. Perhaps the model that they started with needs to change very radically. Uh, so yeah, but Anthony, what what do you reckon to this? So you well, did read the article. <laughs> I did read the article, and I I I I took there were a number of angles that I took from it. I thought phenomenal entrepreneurship from those. Um, from those individual restaurants to, to sort of come together and solve a, a burning problem, right? Mm. And and to survive ultimately, because you know there was there was one particular story about where one of the delivery partners was was taking Xanax and said forty percent, you know, and it was just making it untenable to continue. Um, but I think for me, the main um, takeaway for me was about the sort of the power of partnerships, but also the pitfall of partnerships. Mm. You know, the power of partnerships, you know, the power of that partnership of in a particular geographical location, those entrepreneurial driven businesses coming together and, and saying, we've got a problem. How do we solve it? And of course, just the pitfall of, of partnership. If you choose the wrong partner or there's a monopoly on certain partners, you know, and, and you make a decision at a time that locks you into a long term commission that's unsustainable, that's incredibly um damaging to the business so i i don't think we talk in the uk i don't think we talk enough as small businesses and founders about partnerships mm. and they can be incredibly incredibly useful to growth certainly growth through other geographical locations whether it's europe whether it's america and obviously there's there's a whole heap of uh opportunity potentially now um as well as issues with with, with what's coming on the first of jan um but, you know, partnerships, you know, you need to do your homework. You need to look at the detail. You need to see what's in it for you and in the long term rather than just a short term solution. Yeah, I guess there's that dependency and power balance, isn't there? I mean, what, what, what have we learned about that in terms of looking at those partnerships? Alex? Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess to try and pull this all together, it's, you know, the making yourself obsolete before somebody else does. And how uh, how how important that is, and you know, making friends with your comp competitors. These guys, what I found very interesting mm. about this was, you know, these guys they all compete ferociously against each other for a limited number of bums on seats, and they've come together this way to solve a problem. It's it's quite interesting. So yeah, the, who you pick your partners, and you know, make sure what's that expression about um, making sure your enemies keep your enemies close. Um, keep your friends close and yeah yeah and he's closer yeah and i think you know that's that's a real it's an interesting during dark times how you can form alliances with people that yeah. otherwise you won't and to keep that flexibility to keep that innovation to keep that creativity so mm. yeah and i do i do think there's there's something that i've always found fascinating certainly when i first started going into business i remember doing my um I won't, I'll try not to bore you too long with this story, but I remember doing my business studies GCSE and we had to come up with a business within 
um, within school. So we chose the obvious. We chose cleaning cars, right? Cleaning cars, and we, you know all the all the uh, all the teachers' cars. And then um, we borrowed buckets and sponges and stuff from um, from our families, and and you know we asked favors from teachers. Oh, please let me clean your car because you know we need to hit this amount of revenue by the end of the week. And the teacher turned around and said, "That's not how business works in the real world. You know, you can't pull in favors. It's not how it works." <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, you know, I always sort of looked at it at the time as a 15, 16 year old going, really? And now, you know, I've looked at it and, and through my whole career as an entrepreneur, even if I've reached out to a competitor or I've reached out to somebody in the same industry and asked them for their opinion or some help, I've always received it. I've always received um, some help or some assistance. So I'm always amazed by, you know, as you say, Alex, these guys are fighting furiously and for their market share in one particular area. But actually, they, they're all coming up against the same issue. So they're coming together, helping each other um, to survive. And I just think that's a through line in the UK of my experience of founders is that we do come together. There is a band of, you know, band of brothers there, if you like, or, you know, a sisterhood, a brotherhood um, amongst us. And, and I, you know, so if people are out there listening, go, yeah, I, I'm not really open to that. Just try it would be my advice because mm. my experience is that you get it back in spades. I like it. That's probably a good point to leave that one alone and move on to learned. And Ben, back, back in my in comfort learned, zone. Back, back in, in my Samson. comfort zone. Absolutely. Do you ever do any other section? I don't know. But anyway. No, not really. Not really. Um, but I, I think this was a, 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 I found this quite timely. I found this quite insightful. Um, and it was just a little metaphor that I picked up. Um, I think it came originally from a workshop on productivity. It was, it was shared by a friend. Um, and it talked about when you move house. And when you move house, generally, for most of us at least, um, it's one of the few times in our life we, we confront an empty wardrobe in our bedroom. Our wardrobe is empty. And, and usually that prompts us to be a bit more thoughtful. Perhaps we, we go through our clothes and we, we get them all nicely arranged. I don't know about my wardrobe. It's usually a mess, guys. I don't know about yours. Um, but, but this is the one time when you, you just moved house and you, you, you're selective and you think about what's in there. Maybe you discover something that you haven't worn for ages. And you think, oh, I, yeah, it's a great thing. I'll, I'll keep hold of that. And, and yeah, maybe I'll, I'll refresh it and bring it back um, and wear it again. And I just thought that was an interesting metaphor for right now, because we've been in this weird world of 2020 now, soon to be over. Thank God. Um, and I wonder what. What, what's cluttered our wardrobe in, the, in this last few months? What habits have we perhaps picked up that, that may not serve us going forward as things change again? You know, how as we go through the, the sort of Christmas period and the new year, it's always a time where people tend to think about renewal. Um, I wonder what we need to do to declutter that habitual wardrobe that we've built up. And, and, and maybe we can discover things that we used to do that served us really well, we've let go of. Maybe we can think about things we've started doing that, that don't work so well. And, and my friend talked about somebody who went through this process and, um, and actually by just thinking of it in that way, thinking about what, could, what, what, what was it okay to, to take out the wardrobe now, um, yeah, they, they really did save about 25% of their time just by looking at, do I need to keep doing these things? And maybe I don't now because the world's moved on, the world's changed. Um, so how, how about that, guys? Can we declutter our wardrobes? Mr. Enright. 
isn't it fascinating that when we're looking to do something new for ourselves like more exercise or um you know go out running or go to the gym that that's an incredibly hard habit to to sort of nail yet the sort of potentially bad habits that that we get into within our day-to-day working lives can happen sort of overnight and um and i think what i love about this story ben is that that it's just that that stop and reflection to go okay what what do i really enjoy doing that as a high return and maybe what do i enjoy doing that has no return whatsoever or what do i end up doing that um that that i really don't like doing and that also has no return whatsoever and just by just sitting back for a moment and going where's my kind of where where's my real ability to do things that a, i really enjoy doing and b have a high return and think how empowering that is when you could actually just sit there and spend all your time none don't not doing any other things you don't like doing or that don't bring any value and you just spend all of your time working on what you really enjoy doing that have a, a high return i just think it's so empowering um and uh and we have the ability to do that. I'm just not sure we always take the opportunity to do it. Well, I do like the idea of, of, of starting from zero. You know, what do you keep and what do you, what do you trash? Yeah. Um, but Alex, what do you reckon? I know you love your habits, don't you? You're, you're, I you're do. I'm a, I'm a, I'm also, I keep my habit log. And yeah, I, and good ha- life to me is made up a series of good habits and bad habits. And they, I focus on good habits and I record my habits daily just to see how I'm doing. And then I sense check it once a month and yeah, it goes from there. To me, I love this. this is why this, I love this one. That's why we, you know, we chose it when we did our editorial this week. I, I think, you know, the starting with a blank sheet of paper and, you know, people talk about, I like my lists, your to-do lists, um, you know, and that the, the, the satisfaction and the release of dopamine uh, when you are ticking off to-do lists. But I also think do not do lists are very important. And when, when uh, Ben, you mentioned that 25% time, I think it's very interesting to do that as well. And if you're in a position to, to when, I, when I'm you know, running my company, I do have a periodic declutter when I've periods of running my own, my own businesses. But I really, why do I spend? I'm spending 25% of my time on this. I hate doing it. I'm not very good at it. It probably takes me 25% of my time because I don't like doing it. If I like doing it, it might take 10% of my time, but I don't. And if, if I get to a certain title, I'm going to hire somebody to help me do this or do it for me, or I'm going to repurpose this person's job. So yeah, my do not do lists I, over the years have been unbelievably helpful at, at certain periods of my time. And I'm looking at what I'm doing and recalibrate what I'm doing. And, and you know, that taking a moment out to just question what you're doing, what you're, why are we here? What's this mm. business exist for? What am I doing inside of it? It's quite difficult. And yeah, and often you know, new year, new financial year is a good time to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Anthony, do you want to? Well, I just, um, I'm conscious of time, but it reminds me, Alex, of one of your former businesses where you actually got your staff to sit down and sort of almost do a bit of a job share, as in this, this is really important to the business that gets done. It currently sits with me, but I really don't enjoy doing it. I'm not very good at doing it. I'm sure it takes me three times the amount it would take somebody who's good at it. Um, who could do this for me? And then, and then actually somebody says, oh, I really enjoy doing that. I'll do it. But actually, can you do this for me? Because this is something that I really am not good at. I don't enjoy doing it. Can you do it for me? And just that sort of job swap that can really motivate people 
um, through that process to, to be to go, wow, I don't have to do that anymore. They're doing it. And actually, I'm doing this for them. And it's something new. And I really enjoy doing it. Incredibly powerful. Great stuff. Great guy process uh, to, 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 to achieve that outcome. So listen, chaps, we are at time. Um, so how can we summarize another great conversation? Um, I, I think it starts with, can we engage our team? Can we engage our team? But take the lead where we need to so we make sure we achieve alignment and everyone's highly motivated and bought into the goals that we set um can we look at those partnerships we know we depend on the kindness of strangers but actually a rising tide carries all boats and by collaborating even with uh, those that we compete with sometimes we can create something really exciting and new that will work for the long term and finally is it time to declutter if we started with an empty wardrobe what would we uh, choose to keep and what would go to the, the great charity shop, uh, a, a pile of discarded habits uh, that we, we no longer need to do? What, what great learning as ever. Um, and I particularly love the do not do list, actually. I've not heard that one before, Alex. That's very yeah. good. Very good. So it remains to say uh, a huge thank you, as always, to Mr. Alex Moore. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. And an equally huge thank you to Mr. Anthony Enright. Thank you very much. As ever, thank you hugely for listening. Uh, and please do share your comments uh, with hello at atomics.co.uk. If anything you've heard has inspired you, or indeed, if you have a story that you think Founder Hacks listeners would enjoy. Uh, as always, I've been Ben Thomas. This has been Founder Hacks. And thank you very much indeed for listening. Mm -hmm.